Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. A little tiny click of a button and bam, now we're live. We're streaming across the airways. Fabulous. And this is going to be good. So okay. thank you all for joining me. This is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to introduce you to our guest today. She is an accomplished marketing leader. And we actually work together. Our teams work together. And that's how we, we met and we're connected. And we had a great chance to hang out in San Fran uh, the other day. And I, I got to tell you, her background spans all across marketing from the interactive side, demand, marketing automation, strategic planning, research, uh, the creative side, media planning, like all the things and agile marketing is for sure something we're going to talk about. She is the director of marketing operations at Vertex. Nicole Davidson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And this is going to be a wild time. I know we started out going like, what, are, what will we talk about? And then we came out of it with like, there's so many things I want to ask you about. And this is our marketing leadership series. And so what we want to do is start the show out the way we start every show. I'm going to pass you this thing. Hold on a second. It's really heavy. Uh. 
Okay, here it is. Here it is. Oh, that's this awesome. Thor's it looks like hammer. Thor's hammer. It is. It's Thor's hammer. Now, awesome. go ahead. There you go. You got it? Yep. All right. All right. Perfect. It's heavy. I got to smash it. Yeah. So take that and smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, you know, misconception that maybe just drives you bonkers. Um, well, as, as hopefully most of the people listening to this podcast know that marketing is always about putting out fires. We're always busy. We're always doing multiple things. And, and our focus could be on any, any one of, of, of a variety of topics at any given time. And one of the things that people really need to understand is the concept of multitasking. Everybody thinks I can do eight things at one time and I'm going to be successful at all of them and I'm going to get them done. And really, there isn't any, any such thing as multitasking. It, it, your brain physically really cannot do that. Yeah, I know for sure. I can't do anything other than talk to you on this podcast or it goes south quick. Yeah. So tell me, we all think, I mean, is that a myth that you can multitask? I think it is across multiple industries, across, across everyone, even, even as, a, as a mom. I mean, I think I can multitask and pay attention and, and provide the same level of detail and attention to all of the different aspects of everything that we have to do in everyday life. And, and at the end of the day, your brain only accommodates so much information. We, use, we refer to it as a sponge with yeah. water and eventually the sponge gets full and the water just kind of overflows and starts bouncing off of it. So right. you can really only do so much at one time. So earlier this year, we put a process in place for my team um, uh, within Vertex that we are really focused on agile marketing. Oh, awesome. And, and I let the team really run how they thought they wanted to introduce this concept into our group and determine how many works in progress they wanted to have, what the backlog looked like, what the different channels might look like. If we give something to a different group or team, does it go into a hold pattern? Does it go into a, what we call the pen? Um, how does something get finished and published when we're actually done with it? And, and really the team over the course of the year, last year, 2019, um, really owned it. And they were wow. in and out of my office every day with their post-it notes and, and they were constantly updating the board. Actually, I don't know if you can see it behind me, yeah. but that's our Kanban board. It's it's like eight feet oh, by 10 sick. feet. Yeah. And so for those of you listening, it you've got it mapped out with looks like, you know, blue divider tape and there yeah. are stickies. Are, are the, what are the certain, col what do the columns mean? So the columns at the top, and I'm, I'm going to go with, there's a, the backlog, which is your standard agile. So you have okay. your backlog, your work in progress. We have a hold, as I referred to earlier, emergencies come up, you've started something, somebody comes in and says, this has to be done today. So you put what you're doing on the hold column and you put a new sticky in for the work in progress. So at any time, you only have four things that you're working on. Wow. When you finish that work in progress, you move it into a review or a done state, and then you take the hold back and put it into work in progress. So it's a pretty easy process, very, very easy concept. The rigor around making sure that you apply those practices in everyday use is really what was hard for the team to make sure they only did four things at one time. Because I, I don't know about how your office is set up, but we have a very open office concept and people can walk up at any time and ask questions and send you down a rabbit hole. So yeah. it's very hard for them to get into the, the, the cadence of let me stop what I'm doing, put my post-it note in and then readjust my schedule and my time. Totally. I mean, how many times are you at a meeting and then mm -hmm. people jump in and they're going to be like armchair marketers and they're like, Hey, yes, exactly. How, how about we do that? Oh, I have an idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> Stop everything, right? Yep. Or worse is like the CEO or someone someone who's like, 
playing in a different playground. I was like, hey, I have an idea. How about we uh, shift focus here and do this? You're like, oh. Um, but was what was nice about it as a leader i don't actually have that one-on-one time with my team we mm. did a 30-minute stand-up every day nine o'clock i made the commitment to be there to be present in that time to listen everybody had 10 minutes they went through what they had done the previous day what they were going to work on that day what blockers i needed to be made aware of so that they could escalate as needed and the rest of the marketing function saw this happen and one of my counterparts uh, who shares an office across the hallway from me, her team now does it. And she focuses on communications, which is obviously another branch of marketing, internal and external. So we're talking PR, social media, corporate comms, and her board, if she's as, hers is very color coded. Mine is all yellow mostly, but, um, but, but they've adopted that process as well. And it's given her visibility into what the team's doing. It helped her prioritize the work a little bit better, things that she didn't know were going on, she now has visibility into. So it's really helped her team also get a lot more work done in a shorter amount of time and really focus on the priorities. And when when you're focused on goals and objectives, the priorities that come along with that are super important. Focus on the goals and objectives. That makes sense. And it seems counterintuitive that you get more done by restricting to four, Mm -hmm. but it ends up happening because of that multitasking we shredded at the beginning. You're not doing multiple things at once. You're just kind of jumping around and Mm -hmm. and that can be super distracting, get you off point. Um, Wow. You mentioned the rigor is the hard part. Um, And is that just getting everyone on the same page or making sure people are following the rules? Yes. It's, 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 some people are very data oriented. Some people are very digital oriented. Some people like, obviously uh, it's a Kanban board. There are lots of tools that you could do a digital Kanban board. We did paper. And the reason we did paper at first was to get them used to having to do it because it's very easy (laughs) to say you're going to do something. And then your to-do list ends up being six things, seven things, eight things just keeps growing. And if you're physically having to get up and put a post-it on a wall, it's stopping you from doing that extra thing and just adding it to your to-do list and, and, and it helps you prioritize your day and it helps you realize how much work and swirling you actually do within the course of a day. I could see that being a real cool realization to, to like, Oh wow. Look, you know, without all these rules in place, I, I would have been jumping around all over the place, but now yep. not and anymore. Our, our productivity increased tremendously by wow. applying this. The productivity side. It, you mentioned that you let the team pick the different numbers, like the four. Mm-hmm. Is, is that an industry best practice or did everyone kind of just agree that that was like a good idea? I don't know if it's an industry best practice. Um, we adopted agile, obviously agile program management into more agile marketing. So we modified it a little bit. So um, I don't know if there is a best practice for sure. For us, it worked for the team. They picked four and we decided we would see how that worked. Seemed to work well for everybody. I think some people have the capacity to do more things, yeah. um, but, but it's not about doing more things. It's about getting those four things done before mm-hmm. you pick a fifth thing. Yeah. So, so it's a, it was a little bit of a, of a mind shift. I know I have a couple of team members who really like using um, like, like a Trello and and yeah. couldn't understand why we had to get up and come into the room and they were very very annoyed by the whole concept but <laughs> uh, but you know it 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 helped this particular individual realize also the amount of people that would come up to their desk and say hey can you do this for me and that person would stop what they were doing focus on whatever that immediate thing was and really never get back to the original thing they were working on 
Right. How do you handle that now? You pass them a sticky pad and say, hey, write it out and I'll get so, to it? Or? So, so we actually went to a digital Kanban board starting in January because okay. we had, we had, we, we, we basically rolled this out of March of 2019. We went through the whole year and now we are doing it in a digital fashion. Um, we're actually using Smartsheet and not Trello for this. Um, because of the additional features that Smartsheet offers as far as workflow and some project management that Trello didn't necessarily have um, for us. It just met, met our needs better. That makes sense. I Because mean, I could see like you can play around with a Trello, but if you really were getting serious about those extra details beyond mm -hmm. that, that cute app, then you might need some heavy lifting. That makes sense. So yeah. does that mean that the thing behind you right now is kind of like a, a memorial or like a... It, it is, it is being phased out as they put their backlog items now into Smartsheet. Not all of the backlog items that are on the wall yet are in Smartsheet. We are only in on well the fourth week of January, um, oh, but yeah. we just rolled it out on the 6th of January. So oh, we've really only been live for about three weeks, three and a half weeks on the new, in the new system. So I feel like another week or so, the board will come down. Makes sense. Or maybe you should just leave it. Or you know, replace it with some nice artwork. <laughs> I think I might need some nice artwork behind me. I think me. so, yeah. It does make you look pretty cool, though, having that board behind you. Like, we get stuff done here. We, yeah, we got a lot of stuff done in 2019. I believe it. I mean, I was half expecting someone probably during this interview to come behind you and put some sticky on the board. And, um, and that was also interesting. I would have my door. I have an open door policy. Sure. And if, if my door is closed... It's, we have glass walls here, so I can see when they put their faces up against the wall. So actually, somebody may walk by and sure. catch my attention. But they will come in. They would have. They would have done that even while I was on the phone. They just do it quietly and they and they leave. Wow, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what are what are some of the tips you think about how you rolled it out with your team? Anything you recommend? It sounds like you did a lot of things right. Any key takeaways from the best way to implement this type of a system? Um, I think you have to do what works for your team. Every mm. team is is different, and the the rows that come down the board um, for us, based on the responsibilities that my operations team has, um, we deal with analytics and data. We deal with technology, the technology stack. We deal with you know we're in charge of the platform for our our corporate website. We do uh, have some accountability from a content perspective. So the the work behind me, the rows, um, they really are, are geared towards what my team does and the work that we have. And my counterpart across the way, her rows are very different than mine oh. are because she's internal communications. Got it. Because we had talked about the columns, but you're right. We haven't talked. So the rows are, are those like the big bucket areas mm -hmm. of the, the, the major key responsibilities. And then, yeah. 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 And one of the things that the team wanted to do was put people's names there. And they very quickly realized uh, that because we did an exercise in a conference room on a whiteboard. So we whiteboarded okay. the whole thing out first. And they realized if we put the people's names there, um, there's no overlap. So I have a database administrator and I have a marketing analytics person. My database administrator actually does a quarterly report on the health of my Pardot database. Sure. How much, you know, field completeness, for example. That is considered an analytics report. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't go under data work that goes under the analytics bucket. So they very quickly realized there was overlap in what they were doing and that they couldn't assign a name for those individual columns. And they, they, they picked the column names ultimately. Got it. And you could always tag the name if you want to, I, I could see, but that makes sense too. Cause that way you can see if you're all working on similar projects or similar 
maybe there's some tie-ins. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that was actually also one of the benefits to it, believe it or not. We were able to have resources that were really strapped, 100% utilized, have people come in and go, I have some bandwidth. I think I can accomplish that. So it gave people an opportunity to do work that they maybe normally wouldn't have had insight to to step up and, and, and flex some muscles in different areas within the team. It, it relieved work off of somebody's shoulders that maybe was, was particularly strapped at a you know, particular point in time. So I really think that it gave visibility around the work that we do. It gave people opportunities to step into other people's shoes for a little bit. Right. Um, you know, it, it works the same way, honestly, with the communications group. You have internal and external, and you think those areas are very different. But if you're talking about a blog post and developing content for a blog post, a writer who's familiar with the business should be able to step up and help co-write a blog post, even sure. though they're focused internally. So it gives you an opportunity to do something that you don't normally do in your day-to-day -day work. Yeah. Yeah. I could even you put bounties out and people in the company mm -hmm. be like, oh, I could help with that. I could help with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. Then, I can see you as a, as a manager can then look down on what your team is doing and better understand the lay of the land in terms mm -hmm. of how things are moving and where things might be stuck. Mm -hmm. And do where you, I need to get involved. Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you do, uh, you mentioned the, the 30 minute stand up. Do you also do like a, um, a planning meeting to figure out what you're doing on the next two weeks or anything like that? Or is it more fluid? It's more fluid. It's okay. not true agile. We don't do a sprint planning session every like every, like the Monday for the upcoming two weeks. We sure. don't, and that's the and that's the difference between true agile versus this approach to agile marketing. There isn't. It's not time boxed. Okay. Because you could have a project that takes a couple of weeks, and right. and they're not tied. They're not tied to user stories. So true agile is really tied to those standups. You have this, the, the, the scrum master, you have those user stories, and then you're seeing production and development in real time, and you're testing along the way. This was really just a way for us to help get better productivity out of the team and get better organized and give me visibility into what they were doing. Got it. So it's, that, it's modified. Yeah. yeah. Modified. And but I think to your earlier point, like you build a system that works for your team. I love that you had their buy-in, they're on a whiteboard, coming to the realization, I mean, you could just dictate everything, but they're coming to the realization that, look, ah, this, yeah, the best way is actually you know, the functional area versus yeah. you know, my name on that column. Yeah, and they figured it out. They had, they had to walk the walk, so I figured yeah. they needed to set it up. Um, uh, having the team be autonomous is a, is a really big thing for me. Yeah. I want to be able to empower them to make their own decisions, come to me when they need help, and, and really run with it, that, that they were hired to do their jobs and grow within those areas and leverage each other and then just escalate to me as, as needed. Um, we spend that. a lot of time together just because of the nature of the work. Um, you know, we have occasional outages within our CRM and marketing automation space occasionally. Occasionally, and you'll like see occasionally <laughs> occasionally things don't work as they need to sure. and 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 I will have people sitting in my office on the floor with their shoes off and their laptops while we try to figure out what we're going to do come Monday when we come in and the system is still not functioning correctly right right so it's it's a close group um and I hope that they have fun within the team yeah um and I think some of them really did think this was a fun approach to how to manage the work right right um you mentioned empowering them. Do they then, you know, in lieu of a two-week time box planning, do you on your one-on-ones talk about what they should be focusing on or do you yes. just kind of, 
Yeah. How do, how do you do that? What's your, so we, so everything we do, everything my team does really stems from our enterprise goals for the year. Mm, got it. Top down. And um, we align our work to marketing goals and objectives to support those enterprise goals. So we know what we need to focus on uh, very clearly. And the one-on-ones that I have with them are now down to 30-minute one-on-ones instead of a 60-minute one-on-one. Wow. And we've been able to also come up with a, a formula that we pull the Kanban board up now. Again, this is newer. This is yeah. the evolution of it. But we pull the Kanban board up in the meeting. And it doesn't take place in my office. It's in a conference room. Um, we have a whiteboard. And they go through, again, it's really what I kind of focused on, what my blockers were, and what you need to know. And it's their top three or four things. And that's, so we took the concept of the stand-up, broke it down into individuals for that one-on-one time, and then dropped it to 30 minutes. And so far that seems to be working for everybody. And has that then replaced the stand-up? Yes. Interesting. So you don't need everyone for 30 minutes. You just, what, once nope. a week you're, you're doing that check-in, yep. setting the things and you're letting them fly. Yep. And then we have a, a one hour weekly meeting with the whole team, but that's not necessarily to talk about work, although it could be. It's a very open uh, time frame. It's about me providing them the information around what's going on in the organization so that they have those different lateral connection points. How is sales working? What happened? We just had our annual sales kickoff a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, what happened in that kickoff? What are we focused on? Did our, did our audience change? Did our segments change? What are our core goals? So giving them that higher level information so that they understand the work that they're doing, how that ties back into the bigger organization. That's right. the purpose of the hour meeting. Wow. First of all, best boss ever, it sounds like. Are you hiring? I am, actually. Yeah, because if this Cheshire Impact thing doesn't work out, I'll have to give you a call. Um, wow. Wait, what are you hiring for? What kind of positions are you looking for? Um, I am looking for a technology specialist. Okay. So I have one on my team. We work very closely with IT. It's your standard operations, you know, marketing operations. There are some systems that IT owns and we use, but for the most part, we have our own technology stack Mm -hmm. and we have a core set of goals and priorities for the year, again, to support marketing and um, you know, we've identified the gaps that we have in the stack. We have identified some redundancies. We've identified areas where we don't have full adoption and it's just too much work for one, one person. So we are hiring for a technology specialist. And is there a location or is that remote? We're actually in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Um, it, it could potentially be remote for the right candidate. You've heard it here, folks. You have to wait till the end to get the contact information. <laughs> well, this is, you know, you brought up a really good point about that, um, that hour-long meeting to give your team information. And I think that kind of makes me think about data, you mm-hmm. know, data in the right hands. You can actually use it, but if you don't use it, you lose it. And um, There's a lot of talk in marketing about making data-driven decisions. Yep. You know, what's your take on that? Are we actually doing that or I would, I would have to say that we are just starting to do that. Okay. To be honest, we have so much data and everybody says that they want to make data-driven decisions, but I don't think people honestly know how to consume the data, what data points to look at, and, and then how to make those decisions coming from that. And, and they don't all tie things back to what is the business question that I'm trying to answer? Right. So what is the information that I need to look at to be able to make a decision or answer that question. Yeah. It's like we did all this work to, Oh, we need to be data driven and we mm-hmm. got all the data. 
Mm-hmm. And then it just sits there. We have all these systems. Some of them don't talk to each other. So you have to yeah. spend hours mining data, pulling it into an Excel file, and then it just gets sent around by email and nobody really ever looks at it. Or people look at, oh, I had 300 email opens and 300 email clicks, but you sent it to 10,000 people. So is that good or bad? And if it's bad, what are you going to do next time to make it better? Yeah, like actually taking action on it. I mean, and there's mm-hmm. so, there's so many times we bump into people who are measuring everything. And that's fine and dandy, except that it takes so much time to do that. And then it's like, a, you're, oh, one, one group I was working with, they were spending so much time using campaigns to track like email opens um clicks and they were kind of forgetting about the conversions Mm -hmm. and but all these all these different aspects of of the email in the campaign tracking doing all this manual work and then i was asking them like what what are you doing with this information Mm -hmm. once you have it and they weren't doing anything they were just tracking it because they were told they have to track it because everybody thinks data is data is super important and data is super important but different audiences require different levels of information so mm-hmm. uh, for example last year we we came up with a concept early in the year to create a data dictionary so we actually just launched a new instance of salesforce on the lightning platform in june and prior to that we were working very closely with sales obviously yeah. and some of the sales reporting analysts and some of the marketing reporting analysts I noticed weren't connected in what they thought or how they were planning on running reports and creating dashboards. Mm. So normally your data dictionary is going to show you the actual data fields within a particular system and how they map between, I don't know, a Pardot and a Salesforce or you know your financial system and Salesforce, so on and so forth. But I took the concept and applied it to metrics mm. so that we have a common dictionary between marketing and sales on how we're supposed to run our reports. For example, marketing sometimes likes to see number of opportunities created because we have a commitment, right? And the conversion rate between leads to op, right? Totally. That's a different metric than how sales is looking at opportunities and forecasting them using the close date. So marketing might use create date, sales might use close date, you're going to get a different report. And if your executives are in a room and weren't the ones running the reports, the data is going to look different and Mm -hmm. they're not going to understand why. And as everybody knows, shit does roll downhill. So you want to make sure that you can be as buttoned up as possible. So going into it, everybody's looking like for like. Right. And I I could easily see where marketing wants to know what's been created in the opportunity mm-hmm. they we were trying to that's even better than you know i've had conversations about the leads and mqls it's like opportunities created we really care it we sounds do. like that's nice um but we get paid we got to close these things so we mm-hmm. want to see that and i could easily see them getting mixed up or, or mm-hmm. one's reported not the other and it just it gets on the same page when you have it in this yep. data dictionary is this like a like a word doc like what kind so of so right a, now it's an excel file Oh, and it's uh, it's it was a combination of our account services group, our sales operations group, and then our marketing operations group. And nice. we are we call that phase one, okay. and it outlines information from Salesforce, Pardot, which is our automation system, and then Google Analytics. Because okay. we actually feed data from Google Analytics using a connector into Salesforce so that we can actually pull the opportunity data associated to our AdWord campaigns back into our GA um, platform. So we wanted to make sure that that information was captured and everybody knew what the flow looked like. And 
it it it's the first tab and then the second tab believe it or not nobody knows what to do with a lead source who's supposed to use it why it's important and wow. what the actual definition is so the second tab of the dictionary is the lead sources that are in our salesforce instance who's supposed to use them and when they're supposed to be applied you know what i was literally having that conversation five minutes ago about it's so important so can you just preach to me about what should be in that tab um what's your what's your approach to that so everybody's got a different set of lead sources obviously yeah. um we from a marketing perspective everything that we put back into the system has a lead source so mm -hmm. it, it's we try to be a little bit more more higher level with the lead sources so we're not using specific trade show names we leave that to the campaign object yeah right so it's this is a trade show this is an event this is coming from a, a you know an email this is coming from social media so they're they're higher level but organizationally you know our account services might be on the phone with a customer or customer support and they may get a lead and they need to pass it to sales so they'll create the lead in Salesforce and they have their own set of lead sources mm. that they'll apply and then marketing knows what we should and shouldn't use. Um, partner channel is a huge area for us. And so we have a couple of different sources around um, referrals coming from our partners or yeah. other, you know, other, other areas of that nature. So it really depends on the organization, but you have to make it custom to what works for you and what's going to make the most amount of sense. I like that. Every, every group has, their own sources and their own mm -hmm. list of sources. I, I imagine you could even hide it so that they only see the ones they should be messing with. You could, but we chose not to do that. Interesting. We did choose not to do that. So we are hopefully holding people somewhat accountable mm -hmm. to be um, making the right decisions based on the information that they have been provided. Nice. Do you, um, do you lock that field down at any point? So... Um, yes. So we have the, so the lead source from a marketing perspective, I have gone with a centralized approach to data. So I have a database administrator who is the only mm -hmm. person who can upload data into the system. Okay. We're actually going through an engagement for master data management with a consulting mm. firm. And they also recommend it more of a unified approach to data management than a decentralized approach. And so all of the information is funneled through this one person. And so this person is accountable to make sure that all of the right lead sources are in the files correctly. The forms on the website have the correct lead sources, so on and so forth. We're actually pulling lead source out of the URL string yeah, and passing that into a hidden field and then sending that over. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a little technical, Smart. but that's, that is really what we're doing there. So um, we're trying to get very granular with where these leads are coming from passing that information over and then sending it to the lead record. I don't think that we've seen any instances of our inside sales team really changing those lead source values. And as the lead gets converted to the contact, it gets written to the contact record. What we did add is a most recent and an original because you always mm -hmm. want to know where the original lead came from. So when it gets converted to the contact, you can always go back and say, you know, when you start talking about attribution and you're looking at first touch versus mm -hmm. last touch, you may have a need to see that first lead source on that particular record or account. So we have original and then we have most recent. So a net new, obviously both will be the same value, but sure. as, as, as people are engaging with our campaigns, if they're already a contact in the system, we're not creating a new lead. We're updating the record, updating right. the lead source to most right. recent. And then like that, that actually gets written to the opportunity record. 
Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. I like that. In um hmm. That's I could see that that tab is priceless, right? Um mm-hmm. yeah. getting on the same page with that. And and then a weight is off your shoulders once you're you got it all kind of like laid out for people and you're on the mm-hmm. same page. Any other tabs in that doc that that uh, stand out? We have the work in progress tab. So as new mm. things come up, so we've gone with a, a small committee between marketing and sales. We will be introducing finance because finance obviously plays a huge role um, mm. into the information that they it's also true. need to see. So as a phase two, we'll be adding finance to the team and they'll be able to add some, some of their information and the, um, team meets on a regular basis. The third tab is really a work in progress. What, what has come up, what, what's open, what needs to be, you know, defined and then moved into the, the actual dictionary itself. Right. I like mm-hmm. that. And at least everyone's there on the same page. And if you invite finance, maybe they can buy lunch, you know, um, that's what we're hoping. <laughs> bring, you can come, but bring your checkbook when you do. <laughs> Make sure you bring some pizza. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, every new department that comes to this meeting always brings pizza. Wink, Everyone. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That's well, how great. do you guys track Lead Source then if you were just talking about this conversation five minutes ago? Sure. 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 Well, um, a lot of it comes from, to get pseudo more technical, it, I, I really want to know that first so we can go find more of them. I, and I, and mm-hmm. I get that there's a lot of people we've worked with um, in Pardot for five years or more. And, and so uh, I really like your addition of the most recent because that, that d- does be you know, that's helpful. The mm-hmm. fact that we worked together like five years ago as a lead source. And more recently, we're using campaigns and, you know, big yep. fan of Pardot and the Connected Campaigns to be able to tag everything. But I think mm-hmm. the trouble with Connected Campaigns is you can tag everything. And then are you actually doing anything with that information? So Exactly. Yeah. Just kind of going back to, I like to say the first thing first, you know, at least if we can nail first touch, then we can start rolling the rest of it out to understand yep. what other touches were effective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, have you done much with the multi-touch side? Done any? Nope. Not yet. We are, we, we, we just got B2B analytics, um, the, the reporting platform and we are looking forward to, um, we just turned connected campaigns on as well. So we're really looking forward to being able to, um, to, understand and start learning and seeing, you know, first touch, last touch, multi-touch or linear, however you want to, whatever word you want to use to apply that to it, to be able to see the different um, variations and then start to predict maybe if we are looking at linear touches, how many touches does it take to have a better qualified lead, a lead that's going to convert, a lead that's going to turn into an opportunity. And if we can start to predict that, yeah. And, and, and model that, then we can start to really target people in that way and say, if it takes two webcasts and then an in-person event, we can really focus on those areas. Right. Right. Makes sense. I, I think it's one of those areas that um, in the past, we didn't really have the tech to do it. So it's no. kind of witchcraft. Yep. Um, but I, I definitely get the sense now that we're going to be accumulating this data and it'll be interesting to see the options we have available to really analyze that information. And, yeah. and um, have you, I mean, have you seen much on the AI side or? So, context? so we've had a couple forays into that. Um, we have a couple organizationally, we have a couple projects around artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, we are a software company, so we're always trying to sure. optimize our own software um, yeah. for our customers. I mean, obviously we put the customer, first. So we want to make it better for them and make their lives easier. So we want to also 
leverage tools within the vendors that we use in our technology stack. Um, you know, we haven't really had an opportunity to do it yet. Uh, we just turned Einstein on for Pardot mm -hmm. um, this week, actually. Um, so I think over the next couple of months, it'll be interesting to see what kind of information is available. Um, we're looking at a couple of different tools outside of that kind of a, of a, a, a outside the world of Salesforce um, to see what <laughs> say kind it's of. It's not so. Is that it even is, allowed? Can it are you is, allowed to do it that? It is. Yeah. It's you a get special permission from your government to be able to. Very, very robust technology stack. <laughs> um, and, and looking at what kind of information we can get to start to run those, those kind of predictive mm -hmm. modeling to see, you know, if this works, if that doesn't work, and if this is working, how do we double down on it? How do we accelerate it? How do we do it at scale? That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for that that side because I think I can I can totally envision human does crazy things, comes up with crazy ideas, connects dots, mm -hmm. throws different marketing concepts at uh, willing unwilling victim, aka yeah. prospect, and then computer goes. Uh, okay, you probably want to stop doing that. They're unsubscribing. And this other thing, actually, they're all buying when you do that. So do more of this do combination. Do more of that, yes. yeah. And in fact, I'm, I'll take care of it for you. Let me send the emails, you know? I mean, as we start thinking about, I mean, we're consumers. So yeah. I actually like it when I am on a site and they're serving up recommendations based on searches or previous browsing history. Right. It makes my life easier because it feels like they know me a little better. Amazon's great for that. Some people don't like it. They think it's spying. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really just a personal preference. But as we get into more personalized experiences, especially in the B2B space, um, being able to connect with the people that are are trying to do that research, do it, mm -hmm. do it again quickly. Nobody has any time, so they want to see it as quickly as possible. Show me what my pain points are, that you understand me as a potential customer, and that you have a solution that's going to meet my needs. And being able to leverage the technology and the artificial intelligence to then serve up a better personalized experience, I think is it, it's going to go, it's groundbreaking. I, and I would love to talk to anybody who's actually done this kind of personalization mm. before because we haven't yet been able to crack that nut because you yeah. need, you need really to have really solid user journeys, really solid personas. You need to know where they are in the buying cycle. You need to have the content to be able to yeah. serve to them, right? The content is, content is still king. Words are still it important. Is. So if you don't have all of that, having all that insight to say you should do this doesn't help you because then you you have nothing to talk to them about really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes people do that too with the multi-touch tracking as well. They're like, hey, let's set up this uh, multi-touch thing. And you're like, wait a minute, you don't have any touches. Are you gonna you're gonna multi-touch track thin air? Like, what's going on here? Let's get some nurturing going. Let's get some emails and some webinars mm -hmm. and and then let's examine the touches and see what we can get. Um, so you, it's a good point that it's not going to solve all the problems for you. You still need to be doing things, and but it can maybe spot those trends that maybe are it can. too complex for us to, to pick out. It can, and then definitely help to support, again, support those overall strategies so you're tracking in the right direction. And honestly, at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, it's really about what are we adding to the bottom line of the business? How are we helping move the business forward, and how can we prove that? And being right. able to use data to prove that we're actually impacting the bottom line and, and helping to drive sales and revenue growth is, is, is really king. And that's really the purpose of having all of this data and information is to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To actually move that sale forward in the yeah. end. Like that's what pays the bills, people. It's not impressions. Um, you it's know, not? I, no, Are you I know. Sure? I know. I know. Um, <laughs> you imagine that 
just trying as a joke in February or April fools, like just trying some like old school marketing tactic on people. Just like this here. We uh, had a million impressions. We're good for the year. Wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your invoice. We, we had a million impressions. I mean, I refreshed the browser myself a few times, but we'll be fine. You know, you, you kind of reminded me of uh, Facebook for the longest time has been showing me just generic ads. And I finally hacked it enough so that it shows me ads that I actually enjoy. And I don't feel like they're ads anymore. I'm like, Ooh, that looks neat. You know, it's like a bunch of hiking stuff and yep. mountain climbing things. I end up Do you like, hike? yeah, yeah, for oh, wait, sure. Didn't you climb a mountain? I did a couple. Yeah. Kilimanjaro is coming up next though. That's in nice. July. Oh, that's this July. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you're in I, the middle of your training then, I suppose. Yeah. I've got like something, I've got like a little countdown on my phone that tells me how many days are left. It's ominous because it keeps getting lower. I remember when it said um, like, oh, you've got a, uh, you know, 200 and change. And now I have 178 left. So in nine hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> nine hours and 10 minutes. Now, are you doing that by yourself? Um, I am flying out there by myself, but then we're going to meet up with one of those climbing groups and then we're going to, okay. All right. You know, That's exciting. Trek. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll carry a little part out flag up to the top or something and plant that. Plant it up there. Yeah. There's these, this famous wooden sign on the Uhuru peak that everyone stands in front of. So it'll be interesting to see what that's actually like. Yep. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool. I don't know where we went. I got all, all on a tangent all about hiking. That's do you right. hike? Um, no, I don't hike. Okay. I do not hike. I was going to say, do you want to, in about 178 days, I'm going on a mountain if you want to come join me. I'm good. But you <laughs> have good? a good time. Like, you be safe. You. I'll be on the safari down below watching. Like, peace. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. be safe. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is, this is crazy cool. Like, who are you? Like, tell me more about you. Like, how did, did you know you wanted to be a marketer? Take me back to like little Nicole days. Did you? Did you, were you destined for marketing from the beginning or tell me about it? No, I was an art major in college and I have a degree in, in fine art, um, specialized in photography. And so and would you, if that was the medium, that was the one you preferred would yes. be the photography side? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had my freshman year at college. We did a semester of art history and it was the Pantheon. And it was 9,000 slides of the Pantheon and all of the different pieces and, and, and elements of the Pantheon. And I really hated that class. Yeah, that's a I hated that class. That's like a sleeper right there. You put it on yes. those old school file projectors that like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. That is exactly what it was. I'm probably dating myself, but yeah, no, I'm with you. That is listening to like, what's that mean? No, it's the old, you know, little at a fan going, you know, and it got the room got dark so you could actually see the slide up on the yes, in a room full of 400 kids. Yes, it was, but that really kind of drove my area of interest away from really fine art to more of that photography kind of, yeah. a, of, a, of a focus, but yeah. So not, so, not a marketing major at all. You know, there's some fantastic photos that can be had in Kilimanjaro, Tanzania. I'm sure there I'll just could put be. that out there for you. So, um, so were you just taking photos from an early age? Is that what kind of? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, I graduated and I went to work for a small studio and was the studio manager and oh, wow. they you know retail stores do come and go and i found myself out of a job yep. and nobody tells you in college that uh, being a photographer you don't really get a full-time job it's it's right. job to job and a lot of hustling and i had 
you know, bills and stuff. So I kind of begged my uncle for a job at his company and I hmm. started in the corporate world in human resources. Wow. Yeah. I mean, with that, that old retail job, was that like main street somewhere? And like some, just, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. The store is here. Now store is gone. Um, it was, it was, uh, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, there was a okay. company called Strawbridge and Clothier and it was that company and they did go out of business. So oh. it was one of those, it was kind of like a Macy's, but on a smaller scale. Gotcha. Yeah. And you, so you started in HR. What was that? So like? I started in HR, uh, boring. So, okay. so boring. I wanted to shoot myself every day. <laughs> so, so boring. I'm not really um, a fan either. <laughs> no, it's the, it's the same thing, Ed, kind of the same thing day in and day out. Not a lot of variation, not a lot of excitement. Um, moved from there into an IT role. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to date myself now. They moved to Windows, the very first version of Windows and Office, Microsoft okay. Office. And the secretaries couldn't use the software. And wow. so being in my early 20s, there is something to say for the younger generation. They definitely can pick up the software much quicker oh, than yeah. us old folks. Um, but I was able to, you know, really help them. And I actually moved into a role into IT. And from there, I moved into software application development. And, wow. you know, along the way, had some kids. And I ended up, you know, sales enablement. I yep. did some event management. Um I worked for some very large companies. I worked for some very small companies. And I finally landed here at Vertex about eight years ago. Wow. And my team was basically a party of me. And I think wow. the uh, so marketing. It's a quiet party. Like, it was a hey very guys, quiet party. The party. It's like, you're it the was party. A very yeah. quiet party. I think the whole marketing team was maybe only six or seven people. Wow. Right now we have a, a team of 42 people. Jeez. And, and, and slated, I think, to hit 45 by the end of this year. So it's definitely grown. The company's doing really well, growing leaps and bounds. Wow. And then how many, is that spread across the, the comm, like we're talking about comm and other different groups? Is it yeah. So, so we have a fairly traditional marketing setup. We have our sure. brand group. We have our communications, which is internal and external. Okay. Um, we have a partner marketing we have demand gen and in there is digital marketing as well. Mm -hmm. We have customer marketing, we have product marketing, and then we have marketing ops. Busy, but I love seeing that because that, that yep. just means it's working. And so we're adding more so we can get more done yes. in this department as opposed to we've got one and we still have one and we can't get budget for anything. It's yep. like, no, nope. we're, we're expanding, we're growing and building. That's awesome. Yep. It's been very exciting. I mean, and the, and the, the technology in the last five years, I mean, oh. It, yeah. It's skyrocketed to the point where we, we can't even keep up with it. That's why that's, that's the job, my shameless plug number two for the open rec that I have. Right. But yes, we need, we need more help because the, the marketing function and the organization is demanding more, yeah. uh, moving at a faster pace. And, and we just need some more help to make sure that we can keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's all exciting. It's fantastic. It's a fabulous, fabulous time to be working at this company. Oh, for sure. Maybe you'll land a really smart, savvy photography major who is just really good with MarTech. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, but at least you wouldn't hold that against them. You'd be like, nope. Mom, let's talk photos. Actually, it's interesting. Uh, let's see, my marketing analyst, my reporting analyst, he was a food and beverage, I want to say food and beverage guy in college. Okay. Um, so like, you know, um, supply chain management. Okay. Um, I want to say my website copy editor, CMS manager is, was definitely not, 
not doing what she was doing um, in college. I don't think anybody that I have on my team right now had a marketing background except for my technology specialist. Right, right. I, I, it's one of those, those jobs that I think you benefit from having different diverse mm-hmm. experiences. I, I mean, photography to sociology to whatever it might be you kind of yep. bring i've even had people with economics back hey bring in that yeah. kind of math background to it and i mean it's kind of like bring everyone in we can use all of your talents and skills yes and 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 honestly i think having that diverse group everybody has their own ideas they mm. bring fresh freshness to the team not even just the core my core team but the whole marketing function um yeah it's it's, it's a really nice group of people to work with. It's, it's, I enjoy both the leaders that I work with as well as the, the people that are, are within the marketing function. Yeah. You know, we had that dinner that night and I just had a blast. Like, yeah, that was the, fun. The conversation. San Francisco is fantastic well, though. How could you go too. wrong? I know, but like somehow we, we, we got a great, you know, spot. Shout out to Christina on that. And then we just, it was, it was fun. So I, I mean, I, I was very envious. He was like, wow, you guys got it good here. This is fantastic. Yep. Um, and just happy to be a part of that. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, and thank you for picking up the check. Oh, we appreciate uh, that. Yes, Not no necessary, worries. but thank you. Well, you kind of picked up the check, so it's all good. <laughs> I, guess so. I guess so in the long run. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, we I can both so. pick it up. Uh, we, we, we split it 50-50. Um, you know, question, as you think back to this like cool, crazy um, career, different trying different things and finding out where your sweet spot, where you create so much value. You know, if you could get back in a time machine, cause I've got one, if you get in a time machine and go back to the beginning of your career marketing or just in general career, you just graduated. What, what would you tell yourself? What would you advise yourself knowing what you know, experience what you experienced? I think the most important thing to remember are the lateral connections. Um, historically marketing and sales, not known to have the best relationship and Early on, if you put the time in to make sure that you're working outside of your group and not just being so siloed, um, mm. it's going to help you in the long run. Because as we move forward with these technologies that we've been talking about and, and looking at the data, it really becomes critical that you can have those conversations with people across the aisle, people in finance, people in sales, people in account services, people in customer mark, uh, customer support. Because if you're focused on the customer, then you need to make sure you understand what the customer pain points are right? so that you can, you can give them the information they need. Um, you know, our whole customer marketing team is really focused on educating our customers and making sure they know what's going on. And, and you, you working on those lateral connections, it's not something I did when I was younger. I didn't mm-hmm. see the value in it. I was here to do my job and I worked within my marketing group and that was it. And now that I'm, in the position I'm in, I really look at it and I encourage my team, go have lunch with somebody. Mm. It doesn't have to be in a meeting. Go take them out to lunch and say, hey, let me pick your brain. What's on the customer's mind these days? What's troubling them? Or go talk to sales and say, hey, what was the last sales meeting you had? And what were they talking to you about? And, and, And what are the prospects looking for? Because all of that information helps you do your job better. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Take them out to lunch, go get mm-hmm. some beers, get some coffee. Yeah, exactly. And learning from across the aisle, like you said, mm-hmm. not just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know what you mean. Just you kind of, the blinders on, you're like, I got to yep. get my marketing project done. Yep. But, but you're to your point, you can make it so much more rich with all the different insights and mm-hmm. data points from everyone. And everybody has a different perspective. Yeah. 
Yeah. Any recommendations on how you talk to these other groups? You don't necessarily know their language. You don't know the finance language or you don't know the language, but you want to know more about the customer. Like what, how do you approach it? Well, I think it's a personality thing too, mm. a little bit. Um, if you're fairly chatty, you probably won't have a problem just reaching out and, and just saying, hey, can I even just sit and shadow you and listen to a customer call? Yeah. Right. And if you're not, if you're not in the mindset of having a whole hour and asking questions, you could, um, you know, just say, could I sh shadow and listen? Um, or if it's a sales prep meeting, could I listen um, in the background just to what you talk to the potential prospect about? Um, that might help you start to pick up the lingo so that you can have that larger dialogue with them and gives you a little bit of insight into their world. Cause then you can listen to how they're interacting with the person and that mm. might help you a little bit with picking up their language. I don't know what to do about finance. They're in the world all, I don't know what to do about finance. They're all in a world unto themselves. Right. <laughs> Everyone else makes sense and then they show up and you're like, uh-oh, they're numbers. here. The numbers people. They're here, guys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the lingo, but picking up the lingo, I imagine that earns you some respect from these other groups too when you're able to use the language they use when you're, when you're chatting with them on those, to your point, the bigger strategy meetings or conversations, you're like, you know more about what they're facing and their challenges. Very yep. cool. Have you, have you had time for photography outside of work these days or? Um, a little bit, not, not too much. Um, just sure. because of where we are in, in, in our lives, we're just, you know, kids in high school constantly moving so not too much I would imagine when they're maybe a little bit older out of the house probably be able to pick that back up again yeah. but it's kind of busy right now do you have a like a destination in mind would be like a great country to visit yeah. well I'd love to go to Australia yeah um France would be nice France now, have um, you been to these places before or no, I've, uh, okay. no, I actually, I did, I did, I, we went to Italy a few years ago. That oh, was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. I did, I did photograph Italy. Um, we what were parts? more in the Northern part. We were in Umbria and we were in, we went to Venice and Rome. So yeah. I'd like to go back and maybe do the coast. That would be yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I heard good things with the Amalfi coast is like, a, you got to check it out and, yeah. and hit those places up. Oh, for Greece. sure. I think Greece is right there too. If you're doing that, that neck of the woods, you could also just maybe hop over to Greece. That would be right. nice. If my husband's listening, FYI. FYI. <laughs> that would I, be lovely. I know he's listened this far because he cares and he, he knows you're probably going to quiz him later on the content of the latter half of the uh, exactly. podcast. So shout out Greece and Italy. It'd be fantastic. France. I actually just went to France recently. Oh, you did? Um, yeah, I'd never been. And you know, I kind of with all the freedom fries things, and you always hear people are rude in France, and um, and so I didn't know what to expect. But when I got over there, I was it was completely like a one eighty. So I actually enjoyed it that much more because it was so much better than what you know you you'd hear. Their branding could use some help because they were fan it was fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Very quickly realized the priorities were like culture and mm -hmm. food and wine, and I was like. Sign Nothing me up. wrong with that. Sign me up. Yep, exactly. And, you know, there's a business lunch I was able to join with some fantastic people. And it was like, you know, we passed it to one person who was from, you know, the wine region. And he was like, oh, They're like, yeah, he's going to pick the wine. So he's, he's from, I think he's from Bordeaux. Right. Okay. So, oh, okay. Cool. You can pick the wines. Yeah. So that's he, awesome. He picked that and then he had, oh, it just, it was so good. And the Eiffel Tower, um, much bigger than it looks in photos. Really? Huge gigantic 
in every other word that means large. Like it yep. really yep, yep. is is substantial. And then in the photos, you're like, oh, that's cute, but it's like it's like big, big. Um, and it's did amazing. you make it to um, Notre Dame? We did. Yeah, we walked over there, um, and it was you know cordoned off, but we kind of went back around to the back and found a back alleyway to get to more of the the part that was exposed. Yep. And you know, not as bad as the the videos look. I mean, obviously the okay. roof's probably toast and the insides, who knows? But the the main superstructure was still looked very strong and intact. I mean, they could already they were putting wooden beams and replacements in there. So Okay, so they are gonna they are working to fix it. Yeah. Oh that's yeah. good. So it was, oh, that's it was good. good to see that. Yeah. So yeah, France huge on my list way up there yes i think definitely Paris on my is like list the city and definitely um, london london i think is also on the list but i think i might be able to we have an office in london we have a marketing mm. group that sits in london so i'm hoping that at some point this year we'll be able to get over to that side of the pond and yeah. give them a visit and see the see the sites you know, I was just thinking, you know, I think you should probably bring some of this agile methodology and to the I, London group. I think you need, I think London would really benefit. The productivity would increase and all I think it things. would. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think you need to do that. I think that's like a business critical, you know, we should escalate that. I think we should too. Awesome. Well, let me know if I, you know, if I can, you know, sign any assistance or, getting yeah, me over assistance. there. Yeah. Yeah. And let me know if you need some consulting while you're over there and then we'll just double down and then we'll all go and it'll be a party over there it will be a party over there a work sure. party definitely yeah 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 work party um so yeah yeah um well this has been fun I, where are some places people can connect with you if they want to just reach out and connect and is linkedin a good place yep i'm on linkedin um always uh follow up on our vertex inc website um okay. and um yeah i mean linkedin is probably the best place LinkedIn. And what about those folks that are like, I am the perfect marketer for you, the technologist. Do you want them to hit up Vertex Inc. or? They, uh, yes, that would be perfect. If, okay. if they are interested, uh, they can apply for the job online and, and I'll get the resume and, and hopefully that we can make a connection. Awesome. Yeah. You never know. Never know. That would be um, great. And when you do that, don't be a stranger and just send a note. Say, hey, I heard you on the I will podcast. let you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, but I'm saying for people that contact you, I want them to make sure they say they heard you on the podcast so you don't just get a LinkedIn request. You know, it's like, come on, people. Say where you, say where you met. So yep. We need that lead source. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I mean, I've learned a bunch. I've had a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, right. And like, I think you should probably even look into getting your own podcast one of these days here. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. I uh, know, right? So for those listening, um, if you learned something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here. Oh my uh, gosh. From what I've learned. So um, share this with someone else. Be a thought leader to one person, two people. Just get this in someone else's hands and tell a marketer that you know. Um, put it on your network so that they can learn from Nicole like I have and I know you have um, and uh, we can make that happen so thank you again Nicole this has been so much fun no thank you so much absolutely and for those listening this has been the hardcore marketing show we will catch you all next time all right a big thank you to today's sponsors Cheshire Impact helping marketers and sales win maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce and a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform 
for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualify.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.